So this morning I'm going to be talking about something that God's been uh, showing me last last little while. I'm pretty sure every single one of my sermons I start like that. Um, is this this is really just a revelation that God's kind of been He was dwelt, like building up in me, and then all of a sudden I read this passage and I'm like, oh my gosh, well. Um, and so I wanted to kind of share it with you guys, um, and it's about endurance. Now, some of you are probably thinking, like, Josh, you're only 23. What the heck do you know about endurance? Um, well, firstly, when the truth is being spoken, it's still the truth. It doesn't matter who's speaking it, right? Um, and secondly, what I'm preaching about, I believe, um, what God has been teaching me is about the fundamental concept of endurance and how I believe that is relevant for every single person, no matter where they're at in their life, that it still translates um, across all different areas, wherever you're, whether you're like 83 and you've been a Christian for 83 years, or whether you're 23 and been a Christian for a year, we all still have to face endurance, and we all still have to build that up in ourselves. Um, so the title of my message today is Enduring Faith, and a little um, colon, I think that's what it's called, um, A Legacy in All of Us. So the message today I've split into three different sections. First one is what it is. This is you'll find that this is inspired by my mum preached on a little while ago. What it is, what is endurance, and what does it mean to endure? Um, why? That's a big, the big question is why do we do it? Why do we need to do it? Um, why is it important to endure? And then thirdly, how? Because it's only once we figure out the why that then makes it easier to sort of go into the how, right? Um, so to sort of talk about this message, I'm going to be reading from God's manual on how to make the perfect cup of tea, Hebrews. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Um, if I can get everyone to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and I'm just going to give some context. So, well, actually, we'll be reading from um, Hebrews 11, 39 to 40, but the content of the sermon will be in chapter 12. So if you have a book like this, then you're in a good position because it's all there. If you have an iPhone, then it sucks to be you. All right. So the context of Hebrews 11 is um, the writer of Hebrews has been talking to the Christians, the Hebrew Christians, basically being like, all right, you guys are going through some tough times, and they were, they were facing some pretty heavy persecution. And then a lot of them within the church, within the circles, the community, they were like, oh, look, it's actually... It was a lot easier when we were Jewish. We're facing a lot more persecution now as Christians. Maybe we should just go back to Judaism because it's the same God, right? Um, and so the writer of Hebrews here methodically and periodically just kind of tears apart that argument. It's actually incredible. You should read the whole thing. But he basically goes through and, bas- and is like, look at Abraham and how amazing he was. This is why Jesus is better. 
Look at the high priest. This is why Jesus is the high priest. Look at Moses. It basically just goes through and shows all the founders of, of the Jewish faith and is like, this is why Jesus is the answer ultimately. And then in Hebrews 11, he gets to this point where he's, um, he's now talking about faith and he's talking about the legacy of faith that has been laid down by the forefathers, by all those that have come before us. Um, and he, he uses all examples from the Old Testament, obviously because the New Testament didn't really exist when he wrote this, but you get what I'm saying. So, for example, he talks about, um, you know, by faith, this is in chapter 11, verse 11, if anyone's following, but by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age um, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah obviously being Abraham's wife when she was barren. Um, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Uh, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. He basically goes through and gives all these examples of people um, in the past that have gone through and kind of lived a life of faith to see the promise that that God had given them, and to see it to its fulfillment. Um, and then we get to chapter oh, chapter 11 still, but verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he's saying that with their legacy that's come through, there are some other aspects that I'm going to talk about, but fundamentally he's talking about the legacy that they've given us is an example. So therefore... We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We have all these people who have, who have led lives. And witnesses in this context, I believe, is, a, is an uh, active verb. It's not witnesses as if, as if they've seen. It's witnesses as if they're giving witness to living a life of faith. So we have this great cloud of witnesses so that we can run the race, so that we can look to them and be like, okay, I'm going to endure. So this is the first one. This is what. What is endurance? Well, enduring a race indicates that it's, it's not a sprint. If we're saying it's an endurance race, it's a long-term thing. Um, and that also the fact that it's a race shows that there's a goal. Right. So given the context of what the writer is, is writing in, I believe that the race equals the life that we are kind of walking through or running through. Endurance equals or is our faith. So to have endurance is, is to have faith. And the goal is any promise from God, I believe. Obviously, Jesus being the ultimate. Um, and yeah, like I said before, it's important to see that the endurance or that the race is an endurance race, not a sprint. We're holding on to a promise long term. I think that's an important thing to remember. Yet, here it says uh, in, in verse 1, at the end of verse 1, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're still called to run. Even though it's a, an endurance race, we're still called to run and hold on to this thing long term. Um, run right until the end, as shown by the Old Testament believers. In verse 13, it says, 
these all died in faith. They died in their faith, which means that they held it right until the very, very end of their lives. And I think the thing here, it's really easy to just sort of skim over this chapter. And this is the thing that God's sort of been talking to me about. You know, you kind of read this chapter or read this passage and you're like, yeah, cool. I need endurance to, to last in my life, to keep believing in God, to be a Christian. Um, but I think it's more than just, well, it's, there's a deeper meaning than just believing in God. That the endurance is more than just about having faith in God's existence. Um, I believe that the, what, what, this, what the writer is really trying to get at is that an attitude of endurance has to permeate every single aspect of our walk with God. Right? So with that, I believe every promise from God requires a bit of endurance to fully realize. I'll give you some examples. Because when God says we are loved, like Romans 5.8, that's a promise. And yet the devil will try everything in his power to try and convince us that we're not loved. When God says that we are freed from sin, John 8.36, the devil will try to use every time that we act out in sin as a way to show that we're not really free and that we never really will be. And when God promises us that he's looking after us and that we don't have to be anxious, Luke 12, 22, the devil will say that we're the ones that are going to slip through the cracks. That will God really provide for you? You're having a bit of trouble paying for that bill. It's time to be a little bit anxious about your money situation because it doesn't really seem like God's looking after you. Even with prophecies, If God has clearly promised you something, the enemy will try his bloody hardest to rip it away from you. Because every single promise that God gives us requires faith. And every single aspect of our faith is going to require endurance to get through the crap that the enemy is going to try and throw at us to rip it away from us. Why? Because every time the enemy steals something from you that has been promised by God, he leaves you confused. And then he starts to sow seeds. He sows a seed of doubt. He sows seeds of rejection. He sows seeds of fear. And ultimately this stuff leads to sin and that that sin leads to death. And then that's just another area of your life where the enemy's just sort of got a hold on you. But we require endurance to get through every little aspect so that we can reach the greater goal. I'm getting ahead of myself. But if we stand strong in truth and endure through the crap that the enemy throws at us, and we run headlong into God's promise, declaring boldly the goodness of God, we see the true nature of God just a little bit more. Every single time we do that, we just see who God truly is just a little bit more. And I believe that every time we learn a little more about who God truly is, the enemy loses that much more of a grip on us. And that leads us to why we endure, right? Why do we endure? Well, as I said, the more we endure, the more we press on, the more we see the truth of who God is, the more we get through the, the bad stuff, the mud, and we, we keep our eyes on the goal and, and then we see the goal come to fruition, we learn a little bit more, oh, oh God, you are good, you are just, you are loving, you have accepted me. 
It's also the example set out for us by Jesus in verse 2 to 4. Um, this is still chapter 12. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. If Jesus has to endure, then we're going to have to endure. Because if Jesus has given us that example, he's done it for a reason. He's done it to show us what it means. Also, we develop discipline as we do it. From verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The more we endure every single time that we endure through something, even if it's small, it just breeds a little bit more discipline. Or it, it rather, it teaches us a little bit more about discipline. And it teaches us a little bit more about what it means to be disciplined. And discipline, good discipline, begets discipline. The more we do it, the easier it becomes, or the more disciplined we get, so that the next time we hit something even harder, we are much more ready for it than we were previously. Right? And then, perhaps most compelling of all, if you actually look back in verse 39, I touched on it a little before, um, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Um, Now, chatting with my dad, and I confirmed this, but again, this is still opinion. I believe that the, what was promised is talking about capital P. It's talking about the, the promise of Jesus. Um, because each of them, through faith, like they received the promise of, the, of what they prayed for, like Sarah beget her son, or had a child. Um, but it says that though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, right? And based on context, I think it's talking about the greater promise. They didn't see it physically, even though they believed it and they charged towards it. So these people didn't even see the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan, yet they took on God's promise and endured towards it to see whatever was going on in their little world fulfilled. And then, because each of them, because of each of them, God set off a chain of promises that all led to the ultimate promise that was fulfilled. So he used them. And then in verse chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, directly referencing what's come just before it, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. They set an example that has made it for easier and has made it acceptable for us to know how to endure and to look out to see this is what it means to endure. This is what it means to have faith that endures. We look, we can see because of the example that they set, we can look to them and we can take it on as an example of endurance. Because of their faith, they've left a legacy of faith to help us. And this shows that it's our job to continue the legacy and endure for the sake of being a witness to others. See, it's a chain that doesn't stop. 
He didn't stop with the Old Testament believers, and it's just for us. We also, within our own circles, we are an example of faith. We are the example of enduring faith for others that are around us. And we continue that legacy. That's why enduring faith, it is a legacy in us. Regardless of what our physical circumstances look like, regardless of, of how it may seem, we need to... This is why it's important to have this enduring faith because it's not just for ourselves. Guys, we've got to remember that as Christians, so much of our walk, sometimes we, we get caught up in what's going on in my world, but so much of it is actually about, okay, how can I, how can I be used, God? How can you use me for the sake of others? It's, it's, this is just an interesting side thought that I wrote, a little note, but it, it kind of seems like um, if God gives the promise sort of feels like the only one that can actually deny it is the one that he's giving it to. Because if God promises you something and you pray for it and you believe in it, like it's a promise from God. God's promise is stable. Yet we still have free will and we still have our ability to, to deny. Well, first of all, we have the ability to deny, to deny God at all. But we have the ability to deny and walk away and not step into God's promises. So really the only thing that's stopping you from accepting it, I believe, is you and where your heart is at, right? Anyway, they seem like pretty compelling enough reasons. Um, so then the question, this is going much quicker than I thought it would. That's fine. Um, then the question is how? I'm just going to take a quick little drink. So we've talked about what endurance is and what it means and what it looks like. We've talked about why. Why do we need to endure? Um, And now I want to get into the how of it. And I believe that this whole passage, all of chapter 12, um, kind of has embedded in it little gems all throughout that sort of give us the way, right? One is to look at those who have come before us, those who have left us a legacy to be inspired by. Right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance because of the cloud of witnesses before us that have shown that it is possible. Um, another thing that's really important is what it says in that same verse, is to actively put sin away from you, right? Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. But you notice there, it's not just sin, it's every weight. Other translations say encumbrance, I think. What encumbrance? I'm not sure which word it is. Um, but it's not, just, it's not just about things that are sinful, but it's about things that are just weighing us down, things that either could lead to sin or not even like potentially lead to sin, just things that just are not helpful and that are distracting you from God, right? And I believe that this goes hand in hand with verse 13 of the same chapter. Um, And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. It's, It's this idea of, Set yourself up for success. Don't, don't kind of be like, okay, I'm going to go run this race 
but I'm still going to hold on to this thing over here just because I really feel like I need it. If it's a weight, acknowledge it and get rid of it. Don't just like kind of lay it aside, like put it away from you. Actually be like, no. Um, and it's, yeah, like I said, it's not just the sinful things. Remove the things that could be a weight. Um, my dad, I was talking to my dad about it, and he was like, he used the example of alcohol and drinking. Um, you know, for some people, and this is great, like some people don't have a problem at all with any sort of drinking. Some people can, can have a drink and control themselves, have one or two. But some people, they know that if they have one or two, it just kind of leads on. If that's a weight and if that's something that's going to cause you to stumble, then why even do it in the first place? You know, for me personally, I've actually kind of just removed myself to an extent from all social media because it's just not helpful for me. I just keep scrolling and I get distracted and I don't stop. But it's more than that. It's to be like, just to kind of share a little bit about myself. Sometimes I see people and I see some of my friends, certain other bass players getting certain gigs. And I'm like, oh man, I wanted that gig. And then it breeds envy. It breeds jealousy for something that I thought was mine. And it, it's, it's just not helpful. And it's a distraction, right? And then and there are so many, for me, there are so many aspects of social media that are, that are more than just, just that. You know, like, like Instagram, the, like pictures coming up, things in your feed from friends who are posting pictures that you probably shouldn't be looking at. Just, I just don't even bother. I just, I've actually deleted Instagram and I've deleted Facebook I mean, I've deleted Instagram off my page, off my iPhone. Um, but the point is that if, we, if we're really going to acknowledge it, because I believe that some of you, God has shown a weight that is not necessarily a sin and hasn't, probably hasn't even really led to sin yet, but it is a weight. And I feel like God has shown you, but <clears throat> I know that I've done this where I've been like, oh, but it's fine because da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's fine because I haven't actually done anything or I haven't actually, you know, I haven't given in to those thoughts. I haven't, like, you know, like, oh, you know, I was, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to be envious. But the fact that it was there in the first place for me was like, I just don't want that at all. I just don't want to have to be dealing with that. Um, but like I said, some people don't have that problem. So if you don't have that problem, don't take on the unnecessary condemnation because social media can be a really good tool in some aspects for evangelism or whatever this is the 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 whole point of this is that for everyone in their own race has their own things that weigh them down right even sometimes relationships with certain people certain toxic relationships can be a weight now be really careful with that still have grace in that and be wise because we're still meant to be in the world we're still meant to be in the world, just not of it. We're still meant to be interacting with people around us. But just be, just be really careful with what you're partnering with in your relationships. And if there's anything that's, that's weighing you down there, that's something that's really important as well. Sometimes we don't realize. Another, another how is to accept the discipline, right? Verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? It shows that, that, that we are being disciplined and that it's discipline for a reason. And I believe that 
discipline has to come through practice. You practice it and you, um, and you build it up slowly, right? Um, I, I also believe that discipline comes from not taking it into your own hands. Allowing God to take it and to trust him in it. For whatever the situation is, whether let's say it's about money, and let's say you're stressed about it and you need to endure and you're holding on to the promise of Luke 12, 22, and you're like, oh, I really need money. Oh, I can probably just accept a few little cash things and not have to pay as much tax. Um, and then you start to take it into your own hands and then you start operating out of fear and then you're not really stepping into the promise that when God is like, no, don't be anxious, I've got you. And so the more that we learn to give it to God, the more that we learn to discipline ourselves and being like, stop, get your hands off it. Just give it to God. Don't touch it. Um, and it's interesting because in this, as we learn to run this race more and more, this gives us rest, right? Kind of what Tanya was talking about a little, a few weeks ago. It actually gives us the ability, as we hand it over to God, it gives us the ability to trust in God and to rest in him and to rest in his promise, right? Because sometimes people think of the idea of running a race as I'm having to run this race and it's really hard. But I actually, I read this interesting article where it's, there's a correlation between running and resting, like they go hand in hand. You don't run one time and then rest another time. You actually run because you're resting in God. So the resting in God is giving you the ability to run. And because you're running, it means that you're focused on God. So because you're focused on God, it means that you're able to rest in him. It's this weird paradox, but it's so poignant and true. Um, The discipline that we develop leads us not only to be able to run through all the rubbish, to not just be able to run, even when times are going well, to keep running, but it actually helps us to pick ourselves up when we stumble, right? In verse 12, it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. This is literally just after he's talked about discipline and how God disciplines us as as his children. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame, not to stop being lame, but so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Right? So it's actually about, not, not just about like continuing running, but accepting the fact that if you fall, that you just pick yourself up. Because sometimes we think, oh man, I've fallen and um, I have to give up because this is the worst. Guys, you've just fallen over. You haven't fallen. You haven't fallen from grace. You've just fallen over. Just pick yourself up, practice discipline, and keep running. Um, but most importantly, and this, um, I, I said all this stuff before because that's good practical stuff, and this is stuff that we talk about with others, but really fundamentally at the core of it is that we just look towards Jesus, right? That we keep our eyes on the goal of the race, which is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise that is Jesus, right? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus gave us the example. In despising the shame, that means that he humbled himself. He didn't feel shame about the situation that he was in, 
he was carrying a cross and being totally tormented by everyone around him. And somewhere it says that he could have called a host of angels at any point. Now imagine that. Imagine like being there, being whipped by this ridiculous steel glass thing whip on your back. Like I don't even want to go into it. But then having to carry this cross up this hill and then being nailed to the cross. This whole time all he had to do was be like, yeah. And a whole host of angels would have come down and saved him. But he didn't because he humbled himself and he endured. Imagine enduring through that amount of stuff, knowing that you, you personally have the way out of it, but not doing it. How much humility would that take? And how much endurance, how much strength of faith would it take to know that God's plan is so much bigger than what I'm going through right now, right? So we take that example and we learn from, okay, I just need to humble myself. But... It's not just that. It's actually even better than that. It's so much easier than that because faith comes from our uh, endurance comes from our faith, and the ability to have faith is what allows us to endure through the race. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus is the one that gives us the faith in the first place. Keeping our eyes on Jesus helps us to 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 learn more about him. And he's the one that, another translation says the author. He's the one that writes our faith in our hearts. He's the one that gives us the faith to begin with. So really all we need to do is just so simply look to him and to keep, keep our eyes on him. And then also the more that you do that, the more that you fall in love with him, the more that you learn about his nature, as I said before, the more that you learn about who he is and it just makes it easier to endure. The more that you learn about who God is, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he is going to provide for you, and how he's going to get you through whatever crap you're going through right now. The more you learn about that, the easier it is to just put your trust in him and be like, yes, Jesus, all right, you've got it. And it just, it's just a continuous cycle. You learn more about who Jesus is, gives you strength to endure, develops discipline. You have a little bit of a tumble, just pick yourself up, keep your eyes on Jesus, and the cycle repeats. I, I kind of want to, from the idea of, um, of enduring faith and sort of just keeping your eyes on Jesus based on the promise, right? This is literally just based on the promise, not based on what we see. I want to give a little testimony about my dad's mum. Now, like a few of you who have done DMS or have probably even heard my mum talk about my Oma in, um, in church would, would know the story, but I'm going to share it anyway. So basically, my dad, um, when he was sick, six, his dad passed away. His dad died, right, when my dad was six. And so from six to 16, his mum was... A single mum. Now, after my opa, my dad's dad, after my opa died, he um, he actually had a house that was left for my dad's family. And through all this stuff that went on, it was just all utter rubbish. Um, they actually didn't get to keep the house because it was pretty much stolen from them. So my oma not only was a single mum, but she didn't even have the house that she was promised by her late husband, right? Um, and then 
later on, just kind of the cherry on top, she got tuberculosis. Um, And so up until my dad was 16, I actually don't know how long she had it for or how long she was bedridden, but she was bedridden for a long time. Um, She had TB, she had four kids, and she was a single mother living in a house that was supposed to be hers but wasn't actually hers legally. Um, And yet all she did was pray for them. All she did was stand on the promise of what the word said about salvation, about us, and she prayed for them. Um, And the interesting thing is, well, it's sad, but it's interesting is that, so she passed away when my dad was 16. um, And I'm pretty sure at the time he was the worst um, when he was 16. He was going to a, a rough school. He just had no interest at all. He'd been brought up knowing about Christianity, I think. Um, but I'm like, I'm like 80% sure that he used to take a knife to school at that time. Um, and so, and, and also actually, my, my uncle, my um Chris, had been like, had, had, been, had, had run-ins with the law. So, like, at the time that my Oma is praying for all of her kids to be saved and that there will be a legacy of faith, she's looking at her, at her four children, and they are, like, probably about as far away as you can get. But she stood firm and she believed. And just like the Old Testament believers, she died in her faith. And it wasn't until, like, like six years later that my dad, no, yeah, six years, let's say, let's go with that. Six years later that my dad actually met Jesus. And then my uncle also met Jesus. And my auntie also met Jesus. And I know that we're still believing for my last uncle to believe in Jesus. Because through my Omar's prayers, I really believe that there was, such, there was something shifting. And there was something that was done in her prayers. And that she didn't look to her surroundings. She didn't look at the fact that she, that she had had her house stolen from her. She didn't look at the fact that she had TB and wasn't going to be there for her kids. She stood on the word and she stood on the, on the promise that prayer works. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she believed. And then we've seen it now. Only we get to see the legacy that has been left with my dad coming to Australia and starting a church. You know, that is now actually going back to Ambon where they, where they were born. And it's going back to Ambon to start building up and start the school that is named after my Oma. Right, But she doesn't see any of that yet. She stood in faith and she stood on the promise of what the word says about prayer and of what the word says about God who seeks after us and seeks after those who are lost. And she prayed and she declared it and she ran headlong into it all while sitting bedridden in a bed for probably a few years, I think. And then my, my uncle who started this church that went through a huge persecution back in Umbon, and that church is massive now. Like, I know you guys, a lot of you probably already know this story because you've heard it in DMS, but I'm just driving home this point that it doesn't matter what our circumstances look like. All we're, all, all we're required to do is to endure and to keep our eyes on Jesus and to stand firm, not just not just enduring towards Jesus, but to endure towards every single promise that God has left out for us. And by that, we then learn what it means to endure so that, we, that as we get further and further and, and heavier stuff, as more stuff starts to build on top of us and starts to weigh us down, we, we have much more discipline to know, yes, I'm just going to trust in Jesus. 
it's so funny because I look at like my Oma's testimony and I'm kind of over here in Melbourne, Australia doing like I've got a, had a pretty good life. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if God will ever really truly help me deal with my flesh. Of course he will. <laughs> He's already showed me how. And I have this legacy of people that have gone before me that where I can see, yes, it just requires faith and it requires discipline. I just need to humble myself and keep my eyes on Jesus. And that's all it really comes down to. Can I just get the muses up, please? The thing is, guys, it says, um, therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Like, there's going to be stuff that comes against us. There's going to be crap that hits us. Look at my Oma, for example. Her prayers worked, yet, and you would say that she was a fiery believer, yet she had a lot of stuff come against her. But the, well, what we then do with that is, well, what's our response going to be? Are we just going to let it hit us? Or are we going to power through keeping our eyes on Jesus while all this crap is flying at us? we learn from the Old Testament believers because they also never really saw the fulfillment of the promise capital P yet they lived and they died in faith and now we have their legacy to learn from and encourage us and even more than that beyond just the Old Testament believers they have their faith More than that, we actually have Jesus inside of us now. So we have the fulfillment of the promise. And we have him living inside of us. And we have, the difference is that we have Jesus, that we've seen Jesus and we have the story of Jesus to inspire us. We have the example of endurance that he set out to encourage us to endure. But we have him inside of us as the author and perfecter of our faith. And if I can be so bold as to say we don't really have an excuse not to endure. Now, please don't don't let that be any, like, because there's no condemnation in Christ. But at the same time, let's be real. We, We have all the tools necessary. We have the example set out for us. We know why we need to, because it's not about ourselves. If we're Christians and we're standing here being like, yes, I want to live my life for you, God. Well, he wants you to live his life, live your life for his people. And if we're going to live our lives for his people, then we need to learn what it means to endure. We need to put on that new wineskin. And we need to take it on and we need to progress forward. Stop looking back at your old life. Lay aside all of that other crap and put on a new wineskin so that you can stretch and grow. This, is, this has been totally revelationary for me because I always was like, yeah, I need endurance. I need to build endurance so that I can be a, a Christian until I'm 90. And that was like, that was kind of the end of it. That was like full stop. Yeah, if I want to be a Christian until I'm 90, then I need to kind of follow this. But it's, it starts here, right? You know, I was, I was kind of thinking about what mum said recently when she
she was preaching, um, she was talking about pastors over in the US how sometimes they reach the peak of when they're like 40 or 50 or 60 and they're like having a huge ministry and then all of a sudden it just kind of tumbles because and people are like, oh, how could that happen? And it's, well, because there was stuff that they were dealing with that they didn't really properly deal with in their 20s. At least that's what I took from it. Um, and then I'm like, in the moment, I'm like, oh man, I want to make sure that I deal with stuff now so that I don't have to face this thing when I'm 60. Because um, if God calls me into ministry, then I want to make sure that I have a good foundation now. But what I realize is that it's not about getting it together now. And it's not about having it perfect now, but it's about laying the foundation of learning how to endure now or through any aspect of your life. Even if you haven't laid down that foundation, it's not too late because Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So he's the one that perfects the faith in you that teaches you how to endure through whatever crap you're going to have to go through. And it's never too late to let Jesus work that in you. And it's never too late late to let Jesus develop that in you. And then as you learn to endure, you learn to endure more and you get more disciplined. And then that's when God can use you. Because when you're at the peak and you're at the top, and then and you, you're, if you're like ministering to however many people or in whatever sort of position you are, that's when the devil's going to hit you the hardest, right? But because of the endurance that you've learned that God has shown you, you are now more disciplined so that whatever the devil hits you with, you can hit back twice as hard, 10 times as hard in prayer. And be like, no, I know what it means to endure. I know the promise of what God has set out for me. I know why I need to endure through this. And I know what the stakes are. It's not just about me, but it's about everyone beneath me. It's about the legacy that I will leave when I leave this earth. It's, parents, it's about your children. For everyone, it's just about those beneath us or those around us, even your peers. Even though some, some of you, for, for people older than you, people that maybe are young in faith but are older, it doesn't really matter the age, but what, it does, what does matter is the people that look to you as some sort of, I don't know, example, as some sort of leader. never about us guys it's never about ourselves it's always about God's people so we're just going to finish off by singing this song um, we're going to yeah we're going to sing lead me to the rock because I believe it's about coming back to Jesus every single time it's about setting our foundation in, in him and while it is a race we need to remember what our goal is and we need to remember who our perfecter is who our who the author of our faith is lord we thank you for who you are and we thank you that you have shown us what it means to endure that you are the perfect example lord jesus of humbling ourselves and humbling ourselves to the will of god to then give us the strength to endure and we thank you that you are inside of us so that you can perfect our faith lord jesus you can perfect our faith to endure, Lord. We, we humble ourselves, Lord, as we go home this week, Lord. I thank you that you are showing us what it means, not just in this message, but through our lives, Lord, as we take this message home with us, Lord. 
that you will show each and every single one of us what it actually means day by day to endure through the crap. Lord, we thank you that you are going to show us day by day, situation by situation, what it means to press through and to keep our eyes on you no matter what is going on around us. No matter the storms that are happening around us, no matter the, the stuff that is being flung at us by other people, or even by, by our own thoughts, Lord Jesus, that you're going to show us what it means to endure. You're going to show us what it means to not just to endure so that we can complete, but endure so that we can run, Lord, so that we are going to be, be able to run headlong into every single promise that you have set before us, so that we are going to be able to run and declare your goodness as we go. And that when we stumble, that we will then have the discipline to pick ourselves up and just keep running Run, run full on into you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you that you are going to develop this in each of us, Lord. And you are showing us what it means to endure. And Lord, that you are going to use each of us to teach, teach each other about endurance more and more. That those of us that are young in our faith, Lord Jesus, that you're going to show us and you're going to give us opportunities to turn to those that are further along and that they're going to be able to give examples and that they're going to be able to show us what it means to endure on a whole other level than what we at a younger age have experienced, Lord. Because this is a community, Lord, so I thank you for that. I thank you for this family, Lord Jesus. what you're really teaching us as a church, as a body, as a community, Lord. And we just pray now even the benediction over everyone, Lord. And as we release and as we go and have a cup of tea and, you know, biscuits and talk with each other, Lord, we pray that this word that Jesus has preached by your spirit, Lord, will really become practical in all of our lives, Lord. We will really apply this, the what us knowing what it is to endure, but the why and the how. Lord, I pray that it will just impact our hearts in every area, in the areas that you're telling us to just lay down these weights and lay down the things that are distractions and kind of really pull us away from being completely focused on you and focused in where you're taking us and focused on the purpose that you've given us. Lord, so I pray your blessing on everyone here, Lord, and I also pray, Holy Spirit, that you just reveal the weights that is in our own personal lives, no matter how small it is, Lord, so that we will continue to be perfected by the faith that comes from you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the joy that was set before you, Jesus, and that you endured the cross, and we can do the same. Lord, I pray your grace and your peace among everyone here, Lord. In Jesus' name.